Welcome to Open Banking Expo Unplugged, bringing you the brightest minds in open banking, open finance and beyond. Hello and welcome to another episode of Open Banking Expo Unplugged. Uh, Joining me today is someone from one of our partners. But to start with, let me introduce myself. Uh, I'm Ellie Duncan, Head of Content here at Open Banking Expo. And as I say, I'm I'm delighted to have one of our own partners here today uh, and to be joined by Sara Costantini, Director at CRIF, a global fintech company. Hi, Sara. Welcome to the podcast. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Ellie. Thanks for inviting me. Not at all. Uh, I gave you an extremely brief introduction there. So I think I'm going to hand over to you so that you can explain to our listeners uh, what your role is at at CRIF, please. Uh, I'm responsible for uh, the development of the business in two of uh, our main countries that are uh, UK and Ireland. And all of this leads me to speak a bit about uh, CRIF adventure so far. So CRIF's group started uh, 30 years ago already, and at the moment we are present uh, and operates in more than 35 countries and four continents. We are a global company dealing with uh, a credit bureau, business information systems, and of course, uh, open banking and digital solution. We were the first open banking AISP in uh, 31 European countries already um, accomplished in uh, 2019. I think personally that uh, one of uh, the greatest value that we can bring to our customers and to our partner is uh, the combination of, uh, um, on one side, the solidity of a group that is very well established in the market that has a very solid background. At the same time, we can apply flexibility and innovation And that's the reason why we created a sort of spin-off of our company that we named Griff Digital. Um, I think that in all of this, our um, adventure in uh, um, developing and listening to our customer expectation and our customer journey were um, multiple. Because what we wanted ideally to reach is a situation where customers uh, do not want to Uh, wait to go to a bank branch to open an account and they want to do things uh, in a fast way, in a digital way, without uh, moving uh, or wasting their time. Uh, At the same time, we want to give offer, we want to offer our customers um, real-time responses, fast responses for their loan application, for their mortgage, uh, for their um, personal uh, information. Doing this, we want also the customer, we want also our customers to be in the position of uh, getting their own information, getting their own data, uh, again, in a fast, manually, and extremely efficient efficient way. Of course, the proposition does not just cover the needs of uh, consumers. We want also to make sure that the SME, the business part of it, is comfortable with a set of tools that uh, could help them in their everyday life. Now. How do we reach that, that, or how we have we reached that? This was a combination of uh, um, inside product that we developed on our own, but uh, as well as by the acquisition of uh, different companies, like for example, uh, Invencia, like for example, Strengths, that reinforce, of course, the business proposition, uh, the customer proposition, and the product proposition. 
Well, thank you so much. That That's really given us uh, a bit of background there and explained where it all started um, for CRIF. And um, I was wondering if you could talk about uh, your kind of longer term growth plans as, as well, please. Sure. Um, I think that uh, to, to talk about longer term growth plans, uh, um, we have to think a bit of uh, where does it come from? And I see personally um, the division between a physiological transformation of our customer customers database data set and, and everything that uh, the pandemic has exaggerated and uh, uh, fastened. On the first side, we can say that uh, um, our banks uh, do need uh, or need perceived the need of uh, changing the proposition to uh, a wider set of customers. Five generation insisting on the same banks or using the, the, the customers' uh, services and provisions. Um, we can talk about millennials, we can talk about gener Generation X needs. So this is of course something that the banks need to cover and needs to cover more and more. All of this has been accelerated by the pandemic that actually forced us to make sure and force the customers to make sure that uh, they have they are ready with this sort of proposition earlier and much in advance. So our own growth path is exactly to stay close to our partners and to our customers alongside their uh, user journey and make sure that we can support our customers and partners in uh, every in their uh, everyday business in every um, day. A decision-making process from the acquisition of a customer, from the uh, KYC, uh, know your customer services, as well as to the retention, the monitoring of the customer behaviors, uh, the relationship with the customers, um, as well as the diversification of channels and distribution. Because again, this is something that I feel uh, to be particularly important and um, of value. That, that's great to hear. And and um, I was wondering, Sarah, what are you seeing in terms of open banking adoption and drivers? Okay. Um, I've been talking and listening to customers in the last uh, couple of years. And uh, what I got from them is that absolutely open finance and open banking is perceived as uh, a great value. Sometimes this is perceived even uh, more valuable than a credit bureau report or a business information report because this is uh, open banking information is even fresher, is even newer, is even something that strictly belong to their customers' customers. So um, they are so so fond of all of this news and uh, they are so interested in understanding uh, what is behind this. And uh, that the, the question is, uh, how can I use this better? How can I use it more? Is it something I can use uh, to sell better, to sell more? Uh, is it something that I can use to um, know my customer more? Is it something that I can even use to spot to spot fraud? As this is actually something that I use as a versatile way of uh, getting information from our customers. So adoptions can be um, different ways uh, and different segments and different targets to, uh, of application. This is something that I would envision and I would like this to be. Um, which are the drivers? The drivers are, of course, uh, the use case that we can find and we can create to make sure that the customer is comfortable with this. 
drivers would be also the regulators helping us in making sure that uh, the communication is streamlined and also the culture is generated. So there is a, a general awareness that and consent that needs to, of course, grow uh, in the industry to make sure that uh, everybody is on board and is also perceiving uh, the usage of open banking as something that is normal, just like it used to be uh, years ago with the sharing of data about a credit bureau or with the sharing of data about claims in the insurance industry. So it has to become a sort of new normality. Yeah, I like that idea of, of it becoming the new normal. And, you know, you spoke there, Sarah, about open finance, overtaking, open banking. Um, can you tell us what what does success look like here, in, in your opinion? Um, I think that echoing what uh, we've just uh, discussed, I think in a nutshell and summarizing, uh, success can uh, sit and can stay in, um, in a wider um, awareness of uh, all of this in making sure that the open banking and open finance can be perceived as a new way and a new normal way of doing business, getting data, sharing information and using this sort of information. Um, again, this is something that we can learn from the past because uh, it was something that the credit bureaus and banks did already several years ago and even the insurance industry did several years ago or even closed user group in sharing information about their customers did already or have done already years ago. So again, uh, with the help of all the parties and stakeholders involved, this can be um, something we are aimed to and we would like this to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just just to follow up on that, I mean, um, and perhaps turn our attention to, to sort of the SME uh, part of the market, you know, while we've seen a spike in open banking adoption within the SME space due to COVID, um, as you sort of mentioned, um, how do we ensure that, you know, the continued and gradual adoption of, is something that we're going to see now post pandemic? So we've seen, a, you know, a rapid acceleration. Is that going to be more, more gradual, do you think? I think it will, the boom will continue. I think there will be some elements around the market that would even more facilitate that because all the finance coming from the government will end up. So uh, the guaranteed loan will end up and uh, we will be back to a normality that would force, of course, uh, all the institutions and all the stakeholders in the process to get uh, uh, to a way of uh, uh, retrieving different uh, information. So the normality, to some extent, will help us in, uh, in going back to even a, a tougher use of open banking and open finance. On the other side, I also think that uh, um, these months have uh, helped us in creating trust. And um, the, creation, the creation of trust is, uh, of course, a key element to, um, making sh to make sure that uh, the, the inquiry and the usage around the open banking can uh, steadily grow. And um, I know that CRIF has always been a data and information system provider, but in this new era, what lessons has CRIF learned about data uh, and what insights can you offer here, Sarah? I love this question because uh, you're right. Uh, the, <laughs> the perception from uh, data um, handling point of view has always been very, very critical and, uh, and valuable. Um, so what I can bring to the conversation now is, um, is the following. We know that uh, the key of all of this and the key of the success is uh, to try to transform again data into gold. 
because uh, this is important. And we need to write, to read unstructured data and uh, put it uh, in a sort of readable, human readable format data. How this is possible? How is it possible? This is possible through, of course, uh, artificial intelligence um, and uh, uh, analytics and uh, statistics and making sure that uh, um, experts can read and can go through the value of this unstructured data, making sure that we can create the best out of it. Of course, um, the value of the data increases uh, with uh, the amount of data that we have available. So the other purpose is uh, making sure that uh, uh, we have data to read, but we have more and more data to read, uh, making sure that we can get information from the different sources uh, as much as we can, as different countries uh, with different way of categorizing the information, having um, a global view of this as much as possible. Strict, uh, strictly linked to uh, the, the data availability is also the quality of the data. So uh, the, the quality of the data is the next step to make sure that uh, um, we can get the value that we want from it. And guaranteeing the quality of the data is key, not just for our customers, but also ultimately to our customers' customers that are ultimately the, the one that needs to be uh, protected and guaranteed. Anyway, in a, in a nutshell, again, I think that the data would be uh, the data, the data usage and the evaluation of this would be the key value to create long-term relationship with the stakeholders in the industry. Again, both, both our customers and uh, the, the final users and the final consumer. Great. And I really like that phrase uh, that you said at the beginning there, data is gold. Um, I know we've, we've kind of been a bit backward looking there. So um, and you've mentioned what you've seen over the past few years, but um, if I can, it would be great to hear from you about what's ahead really. So looking sort of five years from now, will financial institutions be using data any differently? And if so, in what way? Uh, looking five years ahead from now, I wish and I hope, and I'm sure that financial institutions will use data Differently, we use the open banking and the open finance data more and more. I also wish that uh, not just financial institutions, but even more and more, even insurance companies could uh, could uh, could do it. And we are very active in, uh, in making sure that this can happen, uh, because ultimately I would envision that uh, um, this information can only just uh, could just not only be used post for evaluation but in a wishful thinking also to predict what uh, customer needs are and what the customer's desire would be. So using the data uh, of the now to um, envision and to make sure that uh, the need is uh, perceived even in advance. Thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on the podcast today and talking to me. It was great to have you with us. And uh, that gives us plenty of, of insight. So if you want to hear more from our Unplugged podcast series, then visit the on-demand section of openbankingexpo.com.